Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight series. This is a show where we choose a genre every month and we pick some of the best movies pertaining to that genre. Hopefully they're the best. So uh, this is the beginning of a new month. So we have been racking our brains, thinking of different topics we can do and just not copy the same ones every year. And I want to say it was a collaboration between Greg and Katie, uh, the smarter people in this room. I'm Aww. happy about that. But they came up with whodunits or mysteries. And I was like, heck yeah, man. I, I love, love a good mystery film. Uh, I like my mysteries with comedy, but there are some serious ones out there. But we went with Knives Out. And so uh, this bad boy came out in 2019. It's not really that old. And there's a sequel. And we're going to talk about that down the road. But 2019 American mystery film written, directed, and co-produced by... Rian Johnson. So that name might tighten up a couple of people's guts in the world. Definitely mine. So Rian Johnson, he did The Last Jedi. That episode eight. That fun, fun movie that didn't really do much. It was weird. Some people have said that Rian Johnson, with less items and money, his ideas, he has to work harder for his ideas. But if you give him just the biggest bag of money, he just starts doing weird shit. He, he likes circumventing what you think is going to happen in a movie. He loves doing that. And he did it in the Knives Out series. And just with that Star Wars movie, he was like, oh, you want this? Well, this is what you get. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So it seems to be his bread and butter uh, with the first and the second one in the Knives Out series. There are moments I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, that's a weird turn for all of this. I'm like, okay. Uh, loves messing with time. So if you like that in your mystery movies, boy, howdy, you're going to get a lot of it. So for the uninitiated, Knives Out is a story about a master detective. I would say he's the Sherlock Holmes of whatever generation or world this is. He's more the guy from um, the Agatha Christie series. Oh, uh, Perot. Perot. Yeah. But just a super smarty pants that takes everything in just with one look and then just stays quiet. Some of these master detectives like that, they're assholes. Uh, Benoit Blanc is really cool. He's a Southern dandy, which doesn't make a lick of sense. But he is investigating the death of a patriarch of a wealthy but very dysfunctional family. And there's twists and turns in this bad boy. All over the place. This movie's weird. It shows you who the killer is pretty quick into the movie and then it's like well let's really talk about what it means to be a killer and they're like oh oh and it's like i said i don't see that a lot from murder mystery so i thought it was really cool but katie what did you think about knives out uh i really really like this movie and i was shocked when we saw it in theaters originally how much i like this movie because i hate episode eight um so <laughs> Rian Johnson surprised the shit out of me with this movie and it was so good. There was a bunch of different actors in this movie playing characters that I've never seen them get to play before. Like you really get to see Chris Evans be like a swarmy asshole and you get to see Jamie Lee Curtis as this like bitchy, um, like, like eldest kid. mom type. Yeah, yeah. Like mom figure and uh, Michael Shannon, Michael, Sh my Michael Shannon's always like, his characters are pretty similar, but the little kid, uh, the Nazi kid, Jaden Martell, he was in um the It in, movies, yeah, he the It Bill. movies, um, yeah, he was playing a different character than I've seen him in anything, um, and yeah, Christopher Plummer being a nice guy instead of just fucking wild <laughs> as hell, because in his old age, Christopher Plummer has been playing an asshole for a while, and this time he wasn't, so it was fucking fantastic greg maybe ryan or it's ryan johnson or ryan johnson i don't know whichever one you want to say i'm probably fucking it up perhaps he just needs to stay away from sci-fi maybe that's maybe that's the key for him i feel you on that because this is highly entertaining i can't say that i'm well versed in this in this genre of film as far as Murder mystery, who done it? Someone in this room did it. We're, we're sitting here until we find out, type of style. 
which yeah. clearly has a very, very deep history. Um, can't say I'm exactly well versed in it, but for someone who's somewhat more on the novice side of these things, this was this is a great foray into the genre for sure. But coupled with just the whole mystery of it all, the unique take on knowing who did it and in in advanced and not necessarily it trying to be about finding out who did it but in its own little twist but i couple that with the fact that this is such a hilarious take on some of the worst type of people in our society <laughs> <laughs> as far as ignorance in in, in, in in as far as ignorance between varying cultures uh as far as the entitlement of some people who were, you know, for lack of a less cliche free phrase, born with a, a silver spoon in their mouths. Yeah. So in its own way, it's also, I guess you could say it's also a comedic take on uh, a comedic uh, commentary on our society, or at least certain parts of it. So I think it all was married together in a very, very fun, funny and entertaining way. So uh, Katie said that we watched this in the theater. I don't know. We didn't go first night, did we? I can't remember. That was it was close to first night. It probably yeah. wasn't exactly first night, but it was. It was probably that weekend. I think. Yeah, this was before COVID. Time is weird. The fact that it's only four years old feels weird to me because it felt like more than four years old. But like I said, COVID just added like two years to everybody. Yeah, so it's just an odd feeling. I will say real quick, the cast. So there's different ways you can make a, a movie, obviously. But when it comes to casting, you can either have a movie where Katie is the hot new thing and she's going to be front and center in everything for the movie and everyone else, they're up and coming actors. Or you have Katie and Greg and it's like some buddy cop thing and they're both awesome actors and everyone else is kind of meh. Or you can take the, it actually has a name where when every person in the movie is an established actor, a ridiculous actor in their own right, and you play it like that. And it's, it has a name, like an ensemble uh, ensemble movie, something like that. But I love when they do it. Uh, I've seen ones that fall completely apart. Think about the scary movies past like Scary Movie 3, where it's everybody that pops up is someone famous for like 10 seconds. And then it's just like, oh, hey, look at Shaq. Oh, Shaq's gone. It's like that. But this movie it's great and i think the genre works out for it the closest thing i can think of this type of genre where ensemble murder mystery we reviewed it a couple of months ago it was the hateful eight because that was a one-act play in a room when they're trying to figure out why the fuck everything's happening so i and i like that every person in that movie was a great actor but like yeah daniel craig Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don fucking Johnson. You know what I mean? Like he, he was an actor. Was it Miami Vice back in the day? <laughs> uh, Tony Collette, she was in Hereditary. She was the mom in that crazy ass scary movie. Lakeith Stanfield. I love him. I didn't like, well, actually I liked him in Death Note, that movie where he played like a Benoit Blanc of that world. L. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> he just likes sugar. Uh, Christopher Plummer, like Katie said, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Lindholm. Hey, she's half of Garfunkel and Oates. And it took me a second. I was like, holy shit, you're, yeah, you're awesome. I didn't realize, but later in this movie, as a, he's on the screen for maybe two, three minutes. He's the, the counsel when the he's lawyer. talking about the will. It's fucking Frank Oz. The voice of Miss Piggy. Yeah, that blew my mind. I was like, oh shit, that's, that's Frank Oz. That's really cool. But there's tons of famous people in this movie and it works. No one, shines yeah i need to go back and listen to it apparently joseph gordon levitt did a voice cameo in this and he was a detective probably on some phone talking i will say in the second movie oh yeah he's so that means he did a cameo in both of them then yes thank you greg because i was gonna say the voice of a weird scary sounding gong as well as joseph gordon levitt also right yes he was yes. the voice of the uh the gong that says automated gong, gong voice of the massive island clock. I don't know how to even describe that any better. Fucking weird. 
so yeah, this movie's absolutely amazing. And you know me, if the supporting characters are great, I'll, you can get me through a movie. I, the main character can be ass. But fortunately for this movie, the main character, the like almost main character, the fucking antagonist in this film, everybody was just great. This movie is really, really good. Uh, you know, some people might get a little twisted up with the time situation because what they do, they'll show you how things should have gone. And it's like, oh, Greg went to the went to the mailbox and then he like scratched his ass and he went inside. And it's like, actually, from this point of view, that was actually Katie dressed up like Greg. And Greg was actually driving his car around the corner. I'm like, what? So, you know, if you're up for that, there's some crazy moments. But Ryan, Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, he's he's brought up tons of mystery thrillers and comedies as influences. So uh, the last is Sheila, Murder on the Orient Express, Something's Afoot, Murder by Death, Death on the Nile, Private Eyes. There's tons of movies that... Like he, half of those are Agatha Christie. Yeah. <laughs> now, Agatha Christie is a boss and came up with tons of ideas so people can make good or shitty movies. So uh, I don't know There's if we'll ever some, do one of the shitty Agatha Christie's, but... Not <laughs> great titles yeah. of her books. Oh, you're right. We'll talk about that one day. But um, no, this is a fun one. Thumbs up. Check out Knives Out. And we'll talk about the second one later. But the first one, thumbs fucking up. So we'll get through the story and talk about the plot. And it's it's a bit twisty, but we'll get through it. Okay, so like I said before, this is the family and the patriarch. His name is Harlan Thromby. Thromby? Thromby. That's how you say it. And so he is a novelist, a mystery novelist. And it makes way more sense with how things are done and created in this story that this whole situation would come from the mind of a ridiculous novelist. There was, we've done a few films that the main character is a writer and just the way that their mind works no no other person no other type of job would be able to do it like that so it is harlan's 85th birthday party at his gigantic mansion and so his whole family they're there and like i said from the beginning as greg and katie said this family they're not good people they bring up different stories they're talking about uh, they're bringing up the whole Trumpy types of conversations toward the beginning of like, well, I mean, if these legal people want to be Americans, you know, they have to do it the right way, you know, like like Marta. Marta did it the right way. And, you know, she's from and they bring out the, you know, multiple places that she could be from. But it's the fact that no one really talks to Marta enough except for Heartland. He's the only one that absolutely adores her. Everyone else is just like, she's the help. So we see that the family, they're celebrating this party. And even at the be towards the middle or end of this party, we see that the grandson Ransom, he pops up for a second and he has himself a little bit of a arguing match with the grandpa and then leaves in a huff. So like I said, this movie jumps around time-wise. You'll see a certain situation, and then they'll back up a little bit, and then I'll actually show what really happened, and they'll go a little further back, and like, oh, oh, in this. So we see the next morning after the party that Harlan's housekeeper, Fran, finds him dead with his throat slit. And so the police, they believe that this death to be suicide because it looks like it's it has all the makings of a suicide the angle of the cut and i guess the effort of it it all seemed like he did it himself so it seems to be a an open shut case but private detective benoit blanc was anonymously hired to investigate this murder so this seems to be a situation even in the spoilers second movie benoit he is hired a lot of the time to figure out a situation a mystery because in this world he is like these sherlock holmes of this generation so everyone knows what he is capable of so someone anonymously 
wants Benoit to solve this case, wants them to figure this out because there is something afoot. <laughs> so when we catch up with Benoit, they, well, the police, they interview every family member just to find out how the party went and what they were doing there. And then we just see Benoit in the back sitting at a piano, just striking a note. And I forgot which one it was. I want to say it was Tony Collette. And she was like, who is that back there? Who Who's that man? Like, why is he just sitting here? He's not a cop. And, you know, Lakeith Stanfield, the detective's like, um, that, that's just a private detective that we have helping us with this case. And, you know, all of them, they start questioning, like, well, is this a murder? And the detective's like, no, maybe. We, we don't, we don't know. But Benoit Blanc is here just to see how things go. So... After a few flashbacks and actually interviews with Marta, we see, opposite of her words, that Marta accidentally mixed up Harlan's medications after the party. Because he uses morphine to get to sleep and with his pain being, you know, 85 years old. But apparently, she overdosed him on the morphine. And was unable to find the antidote. The only thing that could help someone if you overdose on anything. You know, there's a couple of things you could do to actually save your life. But if you're not able to get that cure within your body within, I want to say it was like 10, 15 minutes, you're going to die. So as Marta tells Harlan with tears in her eyes that, holy shit, I think I overdosed you on morphine and... Harlan's like, well, what's going to happen? It's like, you only have, like, minutes to live. We see Harlan gave Marta instructions to create a false alibi. So Marta doesn't go down for this. It was an honest mistake. And Harlan, being the, you know, novelist, the mystery guy that he is, he's fine with the situation. He's old and his family, they're crap. You know, he don't really care about anything. So he gives Marta some instructions, and she scoots off to enact his crazy cockamamie plan. So the cool or not cool situation about Marta is she can't lie without throwing up violently. (laughs) So Benoit, he understands that that's her weakness, and so he's asking her questions, you know, and she answers the questions, but she gives a very incomplete, broad-term answer Like, if Katie was like, oh, did you eat all the ice cream? And I could technically say that I didn't eat all of the ice cream because Bella, she, you know, put her head in my bowl and ate a little bit. So, no, I did not eat all of the ice cream. I could say that 100%, you know, honesty in my heart. (laughs) So, she was doing that. Just incomplete, almost a lie, but not really, but almost a truth, but not really. Uh, you you hear that a lot, and that's why in court and stuff like that, you have to be very specific with your answers, because people could just be kind of douchey, and just be like, I mean, I might have been there, and I'm like, god damn it, at 12.15 yesterday, Mr. Allen, were you there? Did you kill Bella? And you're like, yes. <laughs> you know, you have to give them the right words to do it. So, at this point, Marta starts to help Benoit his investigation to find the killer and you see that Marta is like systematically like messing up their clues there was videotape and absolutely showed that Marta snuck back in but it's on old old type like before VHS kind of tape Betamax kind of situation and she like speeds up the tape a little too fast and it gets destroyed and puts magnets on it and stuff like that. She cleans up footprints and actually does more extra footprints to make sure that her tracks wouldn't be the ones shown in the mud. So after all of this evidence hiding and things like that, Benoit, he seems kind of... he He knows that there is more to this, but he doesn't know which family member would be the one that's down to do this because they're all assholes. They all have something to gain from this. We see his like son has problems with him. 
uh, his son-in-law, his daughter-in-law. Everybody wants a piece of Harlan's money in some combination. So at the will reading, and everyone assumes that whatever connection they have to Harlan, well, they're just going to own it all, you know? The oldest daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, she assumes she's going to get the home because she's the oldest child. And then one of his sons is actually in charge of the publishing of his books. And he's like, well, I'm going to obviously be the one that owns the whole company because I'm already doing the job. I might as well get it all like that. We see some of the children get money every month for tuition and living. And they're like, well, we're probably going to get a giant lump sum for this situation. And some family members have been double dipping. So they're like, hey, we're going to get double the money. All right. (laughs) But we see when Harlan's will is read that Marta got everything. And at this point, the family, before this moment, they were all friends with Marta. They're like, we love you, Marta. You've been there for our father for so long. You're the best. And after this moment, they are yelling at her, saying that you had sex with my father, you bitch, and they're ready to fight her and stuff like that. So it's, you know, when people want money, when people are greedy, it don't take much for people to really show their true colors. We see Ransom. Hey, Chris Evans, he finally pops up into the movie. And like I said, around the 45, 50 minute mark of this movie, you really get a good look at him. And he came to the will reading because he's like, well, you know, grandpa died. I'm going to get some money out of this. And then when Marta is the one that gets everything out of the will, he laughs. He's like, this is the funniest goddamn thing ever. And so <laughs> uh, he's, he's pumped for this whole situation because, you know, fuck it. So he actually gives Marta a ride in his very, very beautiful car and talks to her at a diner. While pumping her up with food, so just to make sure she's not lying, that she needs to confess, you know, she needs to tell everybody what she knows, and she actually tells him that, you know, I accidentally overdosed him, I didn't kill him, but I did kill him, and he's like, well, you gotta tell him, you know, and he offers to help her, you know, confess or work this out for some of the inheritance, you know, he's like, I just want my cut that I was going to get before my grandpa gave you everything. If you give me some of that money, I'm good. And we see to the rest of the family, they call her or actually follow her home, and they try to be nice about it and threaten Marta. And so we see that the family, they get a little little scary. Marta, she gets a blackmail note from anonymous bad guy, with a photocopy of Harlan's toxicology report. So, if someone sees a toxicology report, they'll see that he was overdosed and not, it wasn't a suicide. He killed himself. He was going to die either way, but it wasn't suicide, technically. So, her and Ransom, they drive to the examiner's office and they find that it was burnt down. They're like, oh, shit. The blackmailer, they like burnt the place down, so they're the only ones with evidence that Marta overdosed Harlan. So Marta, she gets an email from the blackmailer saying that we're going to meet up and we're going to take care of all of this. They have the shittiest, slowest car chase as they're heading toward the blackmailer. And when they get to the rendezvous point, Marta, she finds Fran, so the the helper from the beginning of the movie that saw Harlan dead at first, she's in there and she's drugged and on the ground. She performs CPR and actually saves Fran's life or she doesn't instantly die. And Fran looks at her and she says, it was you. And Marta's like, oh, fuck, man. Like, she knows that I overdosed him. So... We see that Marta, she finally confesses to Benoit that, like, hey, I did all of this, though Ransom already, you know, already said he brought it up and stuff, like, she's the killer. She is going to admit to Harlan's death to the family, you know, and that would invalidate her inheritance because there's actually a law, and it's kind of a, a plan that 
happens with old folks, you know, kind of like the Anna Nicole Smith situation. She actually got married to a very old sick man. And actually, I don't think she actually got that much money out of it at the end. But everybody, everybody was saying that, oh, she's here for his money. She might have been there for the money or maybe she loved the old man. I don't know. So it's called a slayer rule. So back at the mansion, Marta, she finds Fran's copy of the toxicology report. And as Benoit and Marta, they're about to tell the family that they're going to give up the inheritance. We see that Harlan only had a small amount of morphine in his system. And this is the point where Benoit sits down and his beautiful, beautiful, gigantic brain works through the plan and just starts doing his deductions, you know. And he it's funny, just like Sherlock Holmes, he says that this is 100%. I'm just going off my educated, beautiful guesses, but I have a really good feeling that this is what it is. And so he surmises that Harlan told Ransom of the will, the changes to the will. And then Ransom got pissed off because he wasn't going to get any money. And so Ransom, Chris Evans, beautiful old Chris Evans, swapped Harlan's medicine to ensure that Marta would kill him. And then he could go back later and get the, the will and fix it. However, we find out that Marta actually gave Harlan the correct medicine. So while while Benoit is explaining all of this, he actually has Marta draw some morphine from a bottle. He took off the label on two bottles and told her to find the right one. And she pulled the right one because she knows how morphine looks, the coloration of it, the weight of the bottle. And so Benoit says that you subconsciously understand which bottle was the morphine even if the label was different you would have given him the correct one because you're a caring and actually a reasonable nurse and she's like yeah i would huh and only after reading the label did she assume that she gave him the wrong dosage and that's when she started to freak out and at that point, Harlan, thinking that he was going to die anyway, committed suicide. So that's why <laughs> the body technically wasn't overdosed, but it was a technical suicide. But in Harlan's head, I'm going to die anyway, might as well kill myself. So when the death was reported as a suicide, Ransom didn't want that to happen. He wanted it to be a murder so he can expose Marta. Ransom anonymously hired Benoit Blanc to find out that Marta did it. <laughs> so we see that Fran saw Ransom tampering with the crime scene. So when everybody was at the funeral, Ransom didn't show up because he went back to the home to start messing with stuff. And so Fran was the one that sent the toxicology report to Ransom. And so when Ransom realized that Marta wasn't really responsible for it, he forwarded the blackmail letter to Marta and burnt down the medical examiner's office to destroy the evidence exonerating her, showing that she was actually innocent. <laughs> and so he meets up with Fran, overdoses Fran with morphine, intending for Marta to get there, see the body and run away. And drop off, I don't know, evidence, clues that she was there. So Ransom was hoping that Marta was going to be a bad person, like he is. Because in his head, he's like, well, she's going to see that dead body or dying body. She's going to run away. Anybody would run away. But no, Marta's a good person, goddammit. <laughs> and so she stayed and gave her CPR and actually saves her life. We find out that the sentence that Fran says when she's waking up from her morphine overdose, she didn't say it was you. She said it was Hugh because Ransom's first name is Hugh. And Ransom's a douchebag, super douchebag, to the point where 
Everyone calls him Ransom except the help. And so Fran has just been programmed to call that man Hugh. Everyone else calls him Ransom. I think in the movie, you don't really actually know his first name is Hugh because everyone calls him Ransom, which is really silly. (laughs) So the hospital calls Marta and says that Fran survived, which means Ransom is going down for this because she got drugged by the guy. So... Ransom says, like, whatever. So I'll go down for, like, attempted assault or murder, attempted murder, whatever. You know, it's all attempted. I didn't actually kill somebody. My lawyers are going to get me off. Whatever. And then Marta is standing right in front of him, and she throws up in his face, which means she lied, and she didn't instantly throw up. So she's getting better at it. We find out that Fran actually did die. And the fact that he confessed to murder <laughs> in front of two cops and a detective and Marta means that Ransom's going down for this. He actually killed somebody. So Ransom goes penny in, uh, pound out, I don't know that saying, whatever, and grabs a knife and jumps at Marta in a slow-mo. And I thought it was a really cool scene because they're both flying to the ground and he's like, I'm going to stab you. And the knife goes into Marta's body, but it was it was a stage knife, so a retractable knife. And <laughs> he stabs, and he looks down, and he like he like retracts, and he's like, "Oh, that sucks," and gets yanked up by the cops, and probably zip zapped as they should. So Benoit sits down with Marta, and he actually tells her that he suspected from the beginning that she was involved with the murder. And she's like, how did you know? And he's like, your shoes. And there was blood on her shoes. Just one little good drop on the shoelaces. And he's like, I saw that at the beginning. So I knew you were involved with this. But the fact that you were so, I don't know, innocent or helpful. He didn't think that she was the killer. But she knew that she could guide him to the killer of this. Though technically, she was the killer killer kind (laughs) of in a sense of the words so we see as ransom is taken into custody (laughs) and the family's like what the fuck why is he arrested Uh, a couple of plot points that i didn't bring up come up we see that jamie lee curtis her husband has been cheating on her and harlan the dad discovered this and he was going to write her a letter telling her that her husband is terrible. The husband snuck into the house, Richard was his name, and was looking for the letter so he could destroy it. He found a letter, but it was blank. And he's like, oh, he died before he could write it. Turn up. And he goes back to what he was doing. But we find out that Jamie Lee Curtis and her dad, they had this cool little spy situation with how they talk to each other. And so she puts a match or a lighter up to the paper and the writing appears and it tells her that her husband is a cheating piece of shit. And so we see that's falling apart. And honestly, everybody else in the family, they're they're not going to probably not going to get their money. And we see Marta come up to the balcony of the home, which she now owns. And with all her millions, probably close to a billion of dollars with the Thromby family gathered outside looking up at their new, I don't know, person in charge of their family. And Benoit scoots off. Off to do another, I don't know, fucking mystery. I, like I said, I enjoy this world. I, I want to see more of Benoit just doing what he does best. Okay, so Katie, who was your favorite character in Knives Out? That's Harlan. (laughs) Right from the jump. Old man Christopher Plummer. Harlan is my fucking favorite. Yeah, he's cool. He started out this whole thing and just like shut down all his family members and said, no, you're not in the will and protected Marta Marta, um, as best he could because she was his only true friend. She was the only person who was showing up for him and taking care of him and gave a fuck about him. 
besides his money and he just reminded me of my grandpa and i loved him greg seems so rare that the patriarch of a family is willing to keep all of his family members in check in that sort of way where <laughs> they've got to own it in their own they got to earn it in their own right or yeah <laughs> or at least he he finally drew the line and said you know what this is you've 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 sucked on the teeth long enough <laughs> kind of similar thematically to the second one which we'll get into at a later date but um for me it is michael shannon as walt my first exposure to michael shannon was him playing a straight-laced extremely religious extremely religious uh, rigid uh cop investigator in boardwalk empire <laughs> i don't know a lot of people that have watched that not all of it um you can watch seasons one through four five is not worth it but it is it but my point is is after seeing him in that and then that i think that was really what kind of at least to my knowledge what really made him more popular got made him more in demand as far as films and Katie mentioned that a lot of his roles are the same. I think he did do a handful of roles that were kind of that authoritative figure, investigator, straight lace type of deal. But this particular role here for me is just such a far cry from when I was first exposed to him. And I had not realized and had not anticipate, anticipated him being so hilarious in his own right, in his own unique way. <laughs> any like for me a lot of times my favorite character is this, the person i find to be most quotable or the quotes that i keep going to are the ones that are most memorable for me that i would just throw out there with my wife just in passing in situations that have nothing to do with the film whatsoever but it reminds me of it and for me just how he was such an entitled jerk in this film he just he delivered in in such a hilarious way. It wasn't a way that you hated him. It was it was just in such a way. I just not, had not anticipated him being as funny as he was. And he has lines that I to this day quote, uh, including when 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 Ransom Chris Evans is Ransom is is chilling there eating his cookies and the whole yep. family going off on him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe harlan left you some milk in the in the in the, in the wheel too and he, he's just he's just want, want some more cookies i mean he gets all up in his face the fucking cookies like shaking him you want some more cookies <laughs> just, oh man just for me to not expect him to be that funny was what made him so great and just he kept coming he kept bringing it and i think he was just he was cooking throughout and I absolutely loved it. And I absolutely love him as an actor. So I'm I just, anytime he's in the film, he's, he's one of those actors and actresses now, to, I'm to the point where if they're in it, I will give it a try just to yeah. enjoy that person. So I am torn. I have said multiple times, if the villain is cooking and villain doing good shit, I'm down. I'm down to clown. And like I said, if main character is doing good, I'm down to clown. So I'm, super duper torn but i think my honorable mention damn it i'm I'm hurting i think my honorable mention is benoit benoit blanc he's absolutely amazing this film and it's funny he's not technically the main character he's just kind of just there it this story's about marta and he's the ultimate he's the ultimate point guard of this film yeah like marta's trying to dip benoit's sight and actually figure out what happened even though she knows that, like, I killed him. I saw it. It went down. She's trying to work out the pieces. And then when Ransom pops in, he's like, he pops in, like, 40, 40, 50 minutes into the movie. And then he just, everything changes when he pops up. So it's just, I, it's crazy. But Benoit is absolutely amazing. And I'm happy we get more of them later on in the other movie. And they they said they're doing three of them and we'll see what happens afterwards. So we're going to get more Benoit down the road, but I think my number one person, if it's not Benoit, it's ransom. I it's weird. Katie, me and Katie, you know, we love these characters, Marvel characters when they do, you know, Marvel shit, you know, and he was captain America for at least a decade. Mm -hmm. 
And to see him pop up on screen, you're like, oh, here comes Chris Evans. He's going to be great. Oh, he's a piece of shit. To be fair, Chris <laughs> Evans is why this movie did so well. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Chris Evans, fresh off Endgame, is why this movie, like, skyrocketed in theaters. Yeah. You know, Like, everybody likes a murder mystery, but women were lining up like, oh, Chris Evans is in that? Let me, <laughs> let me go see that. And it's funny. He comes in. One of the first things he says to everybody is just like, eat shit eat, eat shit, shit. <laughs> oh you eat a lot of shit it's just everyone hates him the to which walt, to which walt responds i, says, I am not eating one iota <laughs> <laughs> it's i i love it this family's so dysfunctional even before ransom pops up and then when ransom gets there he just sets everybody off he's that type of just line stepper mm-hmm. and all through this movie it's a shame we didn't get more of him but he popped up at the honestly right time and then you're like, oh, you're bad. Oh, you're super bad. And then, you know, at the end, when he looks at Marta and he's like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound and jumps at her with a knife. And he's like, I'm gonna kill your ass. And it's like, oh, it's not real. <laughs> he was disappointed. He's like, man, I for real tried to kill somebody in front of me. He's like, man, but he was amazing. Chris Evans, uh, give me more evil Chris Evans. That shit was great. It was absolutely great. And big ups to him wearing puffy shirts and sweaters. Because I guess they didn't want uh, Ransom just to be a super yoked man. So I mean, <laughs> they, they tried their best to not show off all the super duper muscles that he probably still had from Endgame. But he's like, yeah, just stay puffy. Just stay puffy, Chris. Can't show off all the muscles. That wouldn't make a lick of sense. Because yeah, he's like, look tricky with the sweaters. And, and you know, like, yeah, he had to have that whole air of arrogance to him. Yeah. Because he's the type of dude that wouldn't be super buff. He's just a little asshole. So. Katie, who was your least favorite character in Knives Out? Um, so there was a two-way tie for a least favorite, and Ooh. it was tied between Jacob, who is the little son, the little Nazi <laughs> son. Beating it in a restroom. <laughs> uh, and Joni, who was the daughter-in-law of uh Harlan. And oh, she yeah. she was like double dipping. And pretty much fucked her daughter out of her daughter's rightful inheritance because she was double dipping um, on the college funds and just fucked everything up. So she got the two of them ripped out of the will because of it. So, like, just don't do anything. Like, if you would have just fucking done things normally and had Harlan paid for her college... And then, you know, maybe just ask, like, hey, Harlan, like, she's in school and everything's that, whatever. But, like, I'm also her struggling financially. Can I get a little bit? Like, yeah. it wouldn't have been a fucking, like, hundred grand every year for four years. But the man was loaded. Like, he would have helped you out. In, and instead, you cheated him and he, like, you fucked your own daughter. Because well, you're a selfish bitch. Well, I think just this overarching metaphor in both of these movies, we'll talk about the other one, is just putting on airs, trying to make yourself look better and not like you need help or anything. It's like, you know, you want everybody to think that you're just like balling out of control and stuff. It's like, oh, I, I got money and stuff. And it's like, oh, I am fucking broke. Help me. Everybody does it, uh, no matter what your tax bracket is, I guess. But we definitely see it in movies a lot more where just rich people who are going through a hard time financially, quote, hard time, you're still fucking loaded. Uh, just hard time, baby. All they do is lie. Lie, 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 lie. So fuck both of them. Son of a plumber. Greg. Hard times. <laughs> uh, for me, it is Jacob Thromby. <laughs> Yeah, that little Nazi. Maybe the wiener. It actually has nothing to do with the, with. Is it the racism? Because he sure does call Marta like a couple of really bad names. Anchor baby. Yeah. It actually has nothing to do with the character itself, more so. Well, at least it doesn't have anything to do with the character within the plot, if that makes sense. It has to do with what that character was given in the film in relation to everyone else oh nothing at all exactly that's my point this character really truly doesn't bring that much to the table as far as nothing to do at least in relation to everybody else 
while everyone's cooking in some sort of way. And if it, and even if they're despicable people as characters, there's still at least funny or have something to do or, you know, <laughs> garner some sort of reaction out of you in some sort of way. Whereas for me, he was just kind of there. So just by nature of not delivering as much as the other characters do, which obviously is not necessarily the actor's fault. That's why he's my least favorite character. I'm going to triple dip on that. And that was the biggest reason I didn't really like Jacob. The actor, we saw him in It, the, the first chapter, did great. He's fucking the leader of the losers, fighting a fucking fear clown in the sewers, man. He did a great job in that movie. It felt like they just were like, hey, Jaden, uh, you're a hot commodity because of It and all that stuff. Uh, you want to be in this movie? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, fuck, we don't have a character for him. Uh, somebody's got a kid. Uh, Walt's got a kid. Is he going to do anything? Wow, he's just sitting there. He's on his phone. He's, he's like looking up weird shit on his phone. That's the joke. And we're going to run that joke back like three times in the movie. That's it? Yeah, that's all we got. Well, he was the catalyst to a bunch of the arguments. Yeah. All of the political arguments because he's a tiny Nazi. So. <laughs> he was, but not like he necessarily always said anything to spark it. They were just referring to him. While he was there, yeah, like, yeah, that's that, how bad of a Nazi boy over there. Everyone just knows it. They yeah, because we don't got to mention anything. Yeah, because Richard, he's like telling like, you, weird ass kid. You know, <laughs> he was riding that kid hard. <laughs> yeah, he was like probably uh, uh, masturbating to some what uh, dead pictures of dead deer <laughs> in the restroom all night. And then Benoit says a joke about it. He's like, yeah, the kid he was masturbating all night <laughs> in the restroom. It's like a, a fact at that point. Uh, but no, it, there wasn't enough for him, which is a shame. But it happens in movies. When you have 50 fucking famous people in a movie, somebody's getting like six lines and that is it, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, And sometimes it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Like Drew Barrymore in Scream. <laughs> what well, a waste. Well, they did that for a reason. That was a... Yeah, I know. It was a money draw. What a waste. Well, well that and they wanted you to be like, oh, Drew Barrymore is going to survive because she was on the cover. She's like one of the biggest faces. Oh, she died? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Anybody can die. They were going for that. But yes, it was a money grab because a lot of people came to see Drew Barrymore <laughs> and she died six minutes in. So let's do seven word synopsis. I should have more because I actually love this fucking movie. But the one I have is that family is fucking terrible. One hundred percent. It's funny. The one time they actually cooperate and it's a toxic cooperation is when the will says that Marta gets everything yeah there's five seconds of silence and then like walt stands up he's like no <laughs> and yeah. richard's like that ain't right and jamie lee curtis yeah. gets up and they all start holding hands teaming up <laughs> marta your family marta will take care of you we love you uh what she got all the money fuck that bitch that bitch yeah <laughs> you having sex with my dad <laughs> he's like what you point to my grandpa yeah it's funny the whole movie, they are talking about different locations that Marta's from. They're like, oh, yeah, she's from Brazil. No, Argentina. Peru. Yeah. Argentina. And it made me laugh because we don't because we don't technically know where she's from. She probably. Is. She's probably American, honestly. Well, she's. She's not her. Well, she is. She's probably born her in America. Her mom and her sister are not. Yeah. But it's funny that they don't know where she's from. And if you catch on, there's a running line that they all say, yeah, you should have been at the funeral, but I got voted out. They all say it. So it's they no one literally all voted for her not to be yeah, there, but they and wanted to save to face. Favor, yeah. yeah, they wanted to save face. So that's a running line that everybody says to Marta's face. Katie Harlan is a genius for saving Marta. Yeah, that's what happens when you're a, a fucking crime author. I've I've seen this multiple times. Crime authors and science fiction people, they're like, oh, we do this, this, or that. I'm like, why do you think like this? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, a lot of women think like that. Yeah, you're right. And murder podcasts and like crime shows are not helping. They're just making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Marta trusted them baby blues too much. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> uh, I can't blame you. Uh, I would have fallen for it too, Marta. And cable knit sweater doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> can't show the muscles. That, that Chris. Evans. That's what it was doing. All types so of work. So fine. Greg. 
it frustrates me that his name was Ransom and they basically tell you in in his name like that he's you know boy when I heard his name I was like that's a weird name oh yep. well and moved on with my life I should have been like yep. why is his name Ransom like can we no immediately I was like that is the richest whitest bitch of a name <laughs> I was like, that's got to be a metaphor, but it, I didn't think that when I heard it. I it sounds like, oh. it sounds like a guy who went to a prep school, like yeah. a Chad or a you know Chadley, Chadley, yeah, Chadley. Brantley. My yeah. initial thought was what Katie was thinking, and I think they they trick you because you've already been exposed to his family and how you know how high and mighty they are and in pr- privileged and entitled they are. So when you hear that name, you you your mind goes right to oh how appropriate that he's named like that and he's in this family and that's his name. Your mind goes straight to that as opposed to, huh, well, that probably is going to indicate something later on in this film. And those are the yeah. situations that I get so mad at myself. I'm like, man, I, sh- I should really be a smarter human being. Like, I sh- it was right there in front of my face, and I- I'm mad at myself for not even clocking that. Like, yeah, Ugh. absolutely. <laughs> my one seven-word synopsis that I made just about 30 seconds ago, <laughs> the end of privilege packs a punch. You are right about that, man. You you tell somebody no or quit it. They're like, I don't want to. And you see the real the real part of them, man. They they bogarted Marta to her car, and everybody was trying different methods to try to get money from her. And I was like, yeah, that's how they really are. That's cool. <laughs> now this movie's absolutely great, and in the part two, we'll see more of that situation happen. So. This film came out November 27th, 2019, the pre-COVID times, where you can lick doorknobs and be fine. So what do you guys think the budget for Knives Out was, Katie? $25 million. Greg. And I'm here. $26 million. Because I was going to say 25. <laughs> Great minds, man. That was such a thoughtful way. You say you're like 26. so uh, i understand where you guys are coming from with the the mid-20 bet but there were a lot of famous people in this movie so the budget was 40 million which still seems a bit cheap for me for the folks that they had in it but maybe there was some uh favors popped in which happens in a lot of movies like you got to think about the complexity of the script a bunch of actors are willing to take uh, price cuts because oh, of the complexity. For sure. Like if the script is really good, which this script is really good, like the la- the way that it all intertwines, everyone would have been like, "Yeah, I'll do that for you know cheaper than usual." Yeah, I for sure would take like, less. Like Captain America got like I'm sure forty million dollars for Endgame alone. Like sitting <laughs> on that Captain America money, I think you're good. I think you can you can probably exactly. I don't think you need that. You're hurting for this check. Yeah, he's doing yeah, movies for fun. He was like, "You pay me a thousand dollars and a pizza, I'm good." Yeah, yeah, this is fun. This is fun, y'all. You got another one? Yeah, I'll do it. Exactly. <laughs> a cigarette and a cold glass of orange juice. I'm there, baby. Yeah, yeah. Same. Jamie Lee Curtis don't need no extra money. No, nah, she, she rich. She got John Johnson rich. Money. Michael Shannon rich. Like a bunch of these people. Fucking Daniel Craig, 007 himself. He rich. Like, yeah. And he wasn't yeah. even done with the 007 at this point, right? He had one or two more. Yeah, one or two yeah. more. 2019. Yeah. Yeah, because COVID slowed down. You know, he uh, was hating it. Another way to die. Mm, the one that Billie Eilish did. Yeah, so that that one got slowed down a little bit because of COVID and stuff. But yeah, they couldn't hide him because he was wearing the tightest fucking shirts. They couldn't hide his yokeness. But hey, what are you gonna do? So, what do you guys think the box office was, Katie? Two hundred million. Y'all. Um. <laughs> 199 million. Greg <laughs> said, You crazy as hell. <laughs> Wasn't ready for that number there. This movie was so big when it came out. Yeah, I watched, Everyone I watched was it very about it. I, I, I watched it very late, so I have no gauge of how well it performed. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I just, That's fair. I, when, I remember full. when we saw it, it was fucking full. Oh, we okay. That came out oh, around. What Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great time to release a movie, and yeah, that, everyone, yeah. everyone saw it. Everyone yeah. was talking that's about it. No one would shut start. up about like the twists and turns and how cool it was. So that's a solid time. So this bad boy made three hundred and eleven million dollars. Goddamn! Woo. 
instantly mm. solidifying that there would be a sequel. Mr. Johnson needs to make another one. So that was instantly going to happen. Unfortunately, I guess fortunately for Mr. Johnson, COVID, COVID happened. So that just pushed everything back a little bit. And it's funny. He kind of, like I said, we'll talk about the second one, but it's during COVID times, which I thought was cool that he had included it. it yeah. yeah, included in there because a lot of movies and stuff just kind of skips that little chunk of time in our life. But I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. I like the skipping of it. I don't need a reminder. COVID yeah, no. sucks. Yeah, it, yes, it does. So, uh, yeah, this movie made all the money. Everyone enjoyed it. It was different, you know, like Murder Mysteries. Like I said, the closest thing to this, Hateful Eight. And Quentin Tarantino, he loves his time jumps. He's like, hey, we made up this far. Let's reverse it a little bit. Yeah, there's people in the floorboards the whole time. Like, what the fuck? You know, it's just, that's that's his shit. And so I can see Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson doing the same thing. He's like, yeah, we're going to jump backwards. I'm going to show you the real truth of this scene. So uh, this is a fun one. So does anybody have anything else to say about Knives Out? It's really good. Go watch it. I don't think they should stop at three. No, they should keep going. If three, if three is as good as two and one is, then just keep the momentum rolling. This could, this could be. An I awesome. would say, as long as Daniel Craig wants to keep doing them, keep doing them. So absolutely, that was one of the caveats. So Daniel Craig said, "If Mr. Johnson is down, I'm down." He's like, "I don't want to do this with anybody else." You're like, "Okay, we got this other director that knows." how he does things so we'll, we'll just make another one no 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 i want that i want that guy to do it i want him to write it and direct this i don't want anybody else fucking with this because mm. he's got he's got that great idea for this type of genre i'll tell you that his murder mysteries he's probably a big actor christy fan and so he's like oh i want to do something like this where everyone's trapped on some type of situation and a murder happens you know I mean, it's, this, this it's is a good all, idea like all-time franchise potential right here it truly no but that's why you can do the episodic situation with it. You know, it's like every every movie is just a different case. And we can see Benoit. He's a smart fucking guy. So just do that. We'll see. Maybe yeah. we'll see his family. Well, you know? I like that they're tying there. He's doing a uh, Poirot thing with Benoit Blanc because there's not really like um, there's not a forced tie in with any of it like yeah. you can you can pick up an agatha christie uh perot book any one of them and you know in the first chapter she introduces perot as being this insane detective and then you go into the thing like it's it's like a nancy drew mystery you don't gotta have read all the other ones no. so you just like jump in um and i really like that rian johnson seems to be doing that with this one where like you could just watch Glass Onion. You don't have to have watched no Knives Out. You could just watch the second no. one and you'd be fine. Watch just a smart guy that just wants to solve cases. That's yeah. yeah. That's all you really need to take from so it. They could just go forever. Yeah. Shit. Gimme. <laughs> Gimme. Whatever keeps them away from Star Wars. You right about that. So if there's any other cool fun facts or questions, or uh, do you want to see the Muppet fucking murder mystery idea that people and the fucking internet and us have said multiple times to Rian Johnson and Rian Johnson's like, yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. Do you want Netflix to really do that? I well, want Disney Plus to do it because I want the real Muppets. I want somebody to do it. I want fucking Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc and the cast of the Muppets. Oh, like literally, Kermit. like Kermit gets murdered and Miss Piggy's trying to solve it and like wild shit is happening. Gonzo's all over the place. Swedish chef's like knives are missing. What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> instead, instead of murder because Muppets have someone's missing and they got to find him. And so some bad guy kidnapped him. Fair. You got to have the kids watching and stuff. You can't be like, Kermit's dead. You know, you don't want to do that in front of kids. <laughs> I mean, you could make it rated R. And yeah, shit. I want that. <laughs> but you got to think about the, the money. Happy time it's, it's about the money. The happy time yeah, it's about the money. I still have not watched that. It's fucking great. I watch it with Sesame Street Muppets too. Fucking Elmo with the Glock in the hall. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Happy Time Murders, Greg. Uh, semen is silly string in that world. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's it, it, it's it's good. It's good. But you can tweet us at Allentown Pod. We have an email. It is Allentown Presents at gmail.com. We have a Facebook at Allentown Presents. So 
Uh, thank you, you two, for this fucking idea for a genre. I didn't realize I enjoy fucking mysteries a, a lot. lot. Uh, it's it's great. They're the best. Fucking great. So we've been um, going over the set list, and I think it's a pretty solid fucking thing. So we will be back next week with another mystery movie. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Did somebody call Benoit Froghorn Leghorn in this? No, uh, Kentucky Fried. There we go. <laughs> it was like Colonel Sanders, alluding to Colonel Sanders, but he says something along the lines of Kentucky Fried. Yeah, he's somewhere. a CSI KFC. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <And then> later, <laughs> later on, he says like Kentucky Fried something yep. later, but yeah. That should be a spinoff. Eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. <laughs> I'm not eating one iota of shit. <laughs>